great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, amazing! I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the rams today and ram it. I mean, he's, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, it's been a little while. Been a couple of weeks, but we're here a few days before game one of the 2023 regular season for the Los Angeles Rams. But first and most importantly, Nick, how are you? Good. I'm ready for tomorrow for the season to start. Cannot believe that the NFL decided that the Lions are ready to be the first game of the season. Uh, so, yeah, it should be fun. I mean, it's just that's so mean. Like, Let's put them up against the best team possible with the best quarterback ever. Like, oh, you think you're good this year? Let's see. I, it's going to be a test for a lot of teams. I think it's going to be revealing for – I mean, the first week of the season is always pretty telling. I think you can get a pretty good feel for how teams are going to play out for the entire season. The Detroit Lions, I think, finished the regular season last year, winning eight of nine regular season games after they started one and six. So teams like that, and you see Brad Holmes, former Los Angeles Rams personnel rep, and Dan Campbell and all the great things that they're doing together. I think that the way that they're building the team, the roster, is the way that you envision hopefully the Rams can build their roster over the next couple of years, become a sustainable winning team, and uh, be able to copy some of the frameworks that Brad Holmes has created there in Detroit. Not that this is a Lions-based podcast, but I think as the start of the regular season begins and Jared Goff gets to face off against Patrick Mahomes again in primetime, I think there's a lot of excitement just in generalities in terms of the regular season starting. I think that was a Thursday night game, that 2018 game. You might be but, right. No, I I think it maybe was like a Monday night game. It was like rescheduled. because Regardless. Was oh, so it was supposed to be – I think it was supposed to be in Mexico City. Yeah. And they rescheduled it to play in the Coliseum. Right. So that's what happened. This yeah. is going to be a little bit of an unorthodox season. I think in comparison to the 2020 season, right, where there was a little bit of unknown coming out of – a a really difficult 2019 year, right? We're a year where we thought we were going to potentially go back to the Super Bowl. You build a sustainable roster. You have some key players coming back from the year prior, and you feel like you're going to be able to potentially get over the top the following year. And then 2020 rolls around, and you're bouncing back from a really negative year in 2019, and it seems like the offense is firing all cylinders again because they've reinstilled those kind of foundations, the art of misconception, 11 and 12 personnel, two tight end sets, Everything from a foundational standpoint that they've tried to roll out over the past couple of years, I'm hopeful that we see a combination of those things from 2020, from 18, from stuff that we saw in 2021 in those kind of formations where Stafford's back and empty at times. But for the majority, I feel like a lot of the weaknesses that Seattle brings to the table allow for the Rams to potentially stick to the ground game, run the ball, get Matthew Stafford under center and win at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a telling game because after this, I mean, the Rams have a brutal three-week stretch where it's it's Seattle, San Francisco at home, which is going to, you know, it's going to be like a 50-50 game, maybe even worse. And 
then you go Monday night into Cincinnati. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, like, you have to rip off one of those as a win, I, um, which is, like, you know, bad to even think about them potentially losing more than one in that stretch. But it's going to be really, like, that's that, – it, it does not get easier after that outside of the Colts. And then you got Philadelphia right away. So we're going to know what this team is very early on, if it's going to be more akin to 2020 or 2021 or 2022, you know, what have you. So just to start off off the bat, Seattle, uh, yeah, no, I think there's a chance where, I mean, regardless of the cup injury, which, you know, we know he's out for the game. We all know what it is further than that. Um, breaking news by Nick Cooper Cup is out week one versus the Seattle Seahawks. I'm, bra- I'm breaking it right here, potentially four weeks. Um, yeah, it could potentially go on the IR and be sidelined for four weeks, which I think could potentially be the best case scenario for Cooper Cup. But he's not, Rams are going to be without him in this game. I think there could be a lot of nobody believes in us mentality, especially with all these rookies going into this game where it's like, you know, Seattle's like, all right, this is a scheduled win. But, you know, Right now, I mean, I you know, I, I can talk myself into Rams, you know, squeaking this one out. Absolutely. Well, I'll play a little devil's advocate with you because that's my job as the older brother of the podcast. Where did they finish last year? Seattle was nine and eight. They squeaked into the playoffs in favor of the Lions with the win over the Rams in overtime in the final week of the season. I'm sure we which, all remember that. Yeah, which was a total, yeah, a total heartbreaker for Rams fans. They ended up getting dismantled by the 49ers the following week in the uh, first round of the playoffs, which was 41 to 23. But in terms of what changed year over year, we talked about this a little bit in the schedule release when it came out a couple of months ago. Geno Smith signs an extension. He's up to $75 million total over three years, which is 15th amongst quarterbacks, probably right where he needs to be after throwing for nearly 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns and having one of the best completion percentages I've ever seen a quarterback have in a full season. And um, that being the case, they also looked around on the defensive side of the ball and said, okay, well, maybe we need Draymond Jones. They signed him as an interior defensive tackle. They got Bobby Wagner back. So that's another storyline that I feel like you can go back and forth on is Bobby Wagner playing in Seattle for almost the entirety of his career, coming to Los Angeles for a year and a year that they promised they could potentially go back to the Super Bowl or at least play in big-time playoff games in his hometown. And then he goes back to Seattle with an opportunity to potentially – be back in that same spot with a different squad, the team that he was originally drafted to. So, you know, there's those things. And, like, Drew Locke's back, and um, I think Devin Bush and Jarek Reed, right? They sent Jarek Reed to a two-year deal. Devin Bush is back on the defensive side of the ball. Um, They lost a couple of other players, Rashad Penny. Um, But I I think for the most part, Seattle, where their weakness really truly is, you look at the defensive side of the ball, their defensive backs have continued to get better. And I think the draft pick of Devin Witherspoon was one of the best uh, throughout the first round. And then you just kind of look at some of the other things that they've done um, throughout the past couple of years um, in bringing in some of these young, talented players. The, the 2021 and 2022 drafts were solid, but this previous year in JSN and Zach Charbonnet and Devin Witherspoon and Derek Hall. And then interior, you have uh, defense tackles and Cam Young and Mike Morris. And Pete Carroll's playing a pretty interesting game. I think he's trying to keep the strategic advantage of not being able to declare if a handful of these rookies are going to be able to play in this game. Um, so, I mean, it's that's the interesting part about week one is you could roll out new concepts offensively. You could roll out some new schemes defensively, but it's some of the actual key personnel and players that you drafted that could make a, a legitimate difference in this game. And I think some of these rookies that JSN and Charbonnet and Devin Witherspoon, that Pete Carroll's kind of keeping in his back pocket – 
could be some difference makers, but we want to find weaknesses. It's on the defensive line of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I think the weakness that you kind of alluded to is going to be, it's going to be through Cam Akers. If we're going to find their weakness, it's going to be in the trenches. Um, Because, I mean, you had to almost double check this number. They gave up just a hair over 150 yards per game on the ground last year, 21 touchdowns, and they were far better against the pass. Um, So if the Rams can't get back to what they've been talking about with that 11 personnel, you know, like change things up, make it the, the illusion of complexity, make it look like it's, you know, difficult. But then you just have Cam Akers back there being able to like pound and ground and, you know, pick up a first down. There's a real shot here where the Rams, you know, like, and I mean, just personally speaking, what I saw from preseason, I know that like a lot of those people aren't on the team anymore. Uh, I don't think our defense is going to hold up fantastic. If we get the Geno Smith that we got last year, I mean, who's to like, who's to say if we're going to get him or not. Um, but I think we're going to have to get into a shootout to to potentially win this game. That's plenty of weapons on the offensive side of the ball for them. So JSN, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett is going to be a handful for Akella Witherspoon and Jacoby Durant and Darion Kendrick. Also, Robert Rochelle is on the other side of the ball now too. Is on the other is on the other team, so he's going to be potentially on the sideline for the Seattle Seahawks. So like their defensive backs versus our receivers and our receivers versus their defensive backs, they potentially have the the advantage in both categories. But I think like if you're going to win the game, it's got to be catered around Cam Akers. It's got to be catered around getting Matthew Stafford under center. And that's what I feel like Mike LaFleur is able to bring to the table in these kind of situations because he knows how to dress up a play seven or eight different ways. He knows how to disguise it behind somebody like Zach Wilson and feature a running back like Brees Hall and have things look different in pre-snap, but have it be the same key concept is the art of complexity, the art of illusion, illusion of complexity, whatever the hell you want to call it, that Sean McVay likes to bring to the table. So I think between, you know, looking at players like Cam Akers, Kyron Williams, who is going to be a legitimate pass catching weapon out of the backfield, you know, potentially run a two, two running back set, could potentially run two tight end sets with Bryson Hopkins and Tyler Higby. You could potentially bring Davis Allen off the bench. And then from the three receivers you're going to see featured the most, potentially Van Jefferson, Benny Skoranek, and Tutu Atwells, your three starters in 11 personnel. I, you know, jumping a little bit all over the place here, but I do feel like that they have advantages if they're able to keep things conserved. I think they need to be able to keep their energy conserved. They have to be able to get in and out of the huddle the way that they want to. You can't make any mistakes in terms of turnovers. You can't commit penalties in big-time situations on big-time runs. And I think those kind of outside zone schemes with a younger offensive line can potentially rear their ugly head and bring some of those things to the table. I'm just hopeful that they play sound football. They commit to the run game. You can get Matthew Stafford in the play action game on a boot and just have him, you know, make some easy completions when he has to. Um, So there's going to be a lot. I feel like they bring to the table, but I feel like they can, when they get in trouble, you know exactly when it's going to happen is when they're going to have Matthew Stafford in empty with no (laughs) running backs in the backfield. And they're going to be airing the ball out the way that they know how. So. I really, I really hope we don't see that as much this year because I, I, I felt like that was every single um, third down, like third and three, third and playing, five, playing from behind. I mean, that's yeah. their strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fearful to run the ball. 
yeah. they're playing from behind. And that's what I'm hopeful of is you establish a lead. You don't commit any penalties. You win the time of possession battle and you play sound football. Win at the line of scrimmage and win the game. Really haven't seen that, honestly, since the days of Todd Gurley, truly. Yep. Yep. Because they, McVay and the offensive minds have not trusted the run at all. Um, that was like the biggest hit on them in that Tampa Bay game um, in the 2021 20, Super Bowl season, the playoff game. It's they couldn't hold the lead, and Brady just kept getting his way back in. Cam Akers fumble, fumbles the ball twice. I think Cooper Cup had a fumble in that game too, but totally redeemed himself later on. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, like sticking to the run, trusting the run, trusting that the guys um, will get tired on the other side, and not you know throwing it up there to a powerful Seahawks secondary who wants nothing more than to pick off Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean they do. I think um, you know defensively, that's where like we mentioned, that's where they're skilled. That's where I feel like they have the most talent in terms of personnel. And I mentioned that their weakness is up front. You know, Bobby Wagner is going to be in the middle of that defense, but up front, it's going to be Daryl Taylor, potentially rushing the passer who led the team in sacks last year at nine and a half sacks. Um, so the matchup between him and Alaric Jackson or him and Rob Havenstein is going to be one to watch. And in just talking through the numbers, I mean, that's where the advantage is. I mean, where you're going to be able to win this game potentially is just being able to commit to the run game. Trusting in Cam Akers, so I feel like he's going to be the hungriest player on the field. I feel like you're going to have to identify the two or three players on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be Puka Nakua, it's going to be Cam Akers, and it's going to be Ben Skoranek. Dare I say Ben Skoranek? No, I was ready. I mean, I was ready. I'm fully, I'm fully in on Ben Skoranek this year. I wanted to be Van Jefferson with everything in me in the contract year. I'm hopeful that he makes a you know five hundred million dollars next year in his next contract with a different team. I just don't know if he's going to be able to stay on the field consistently. And, you know, it's because he's a different type of receiver. He's not the kind of short area quickness receiver, zone beater type of receiver, can line him up on any place in the field. He's not a joker player. He's not a positionless player. He's like a Sammy Watkins. You know, he's that type of receiver. And I think when you try to fit around peg in a square hole with somebody like Van Jefferson, you're hopeful that he becomes Cooper Cup. That's where you have to look at some of those other joker players, positionless players, like a guy like Ben Skoranek, like a guy like Tutu Atwell, potentially. You could line him up in the backfield. You know, guys that you can move around the field that are going to give the defense different looks. It's still a young secondary. For how talented they are, they're still a young secondary. They're still capable yeah, of making see, mistakes. Seattle and, is very young all around. I and mean, if Matthew think- Stafford, yeah, is well protected in those kind of – there's not a crazy pass rush. He's not getting pressured on every single drop back there's a potential for him to work through his progressions and find open receivers downfield. That wasn't the Rams are young, but yeah. Seattle is also very young. I mean, I think Geno Smith kind of deludes people's minds. So does Stafford. Pete yeah. Carroll a little bit. Yeah, Stafford as well. They bring the Both, both these teams are very young. Um, and if the Rams can bring like a quarter of what Seattle brought last year with that young core and like, you know, truly have, I mean, obviously they're, they had higher draft picks but bring in like young talent like Seattle did. I mean, Seattle has a really nice set future going forward. Like let's say Geno doesn't pan out this year. That's fine. They can bring in another quarterback. They can draft somebody. They can trade up. Like they, I, it's really, I mean, fans of Rams brothers know we don't really hate on Seattle here. We more, more so hate on San Francisco. Yeah. I, you know, I was rooting for Seattle last year during the playoffs. Um, 
Of course you are, because they were going up against San Francisco. Yeah, you want to yeah. you want to see Seattle though, because of the framework of their season last year, when everybody imagined them being the worst team in the league, because nobody could properly evaluate their draft class until they saw them live in action on the field. And then once they were live in action on the field and you saw some of the personnel fits from the draft class that they brought in, you understood where the vision was going and how you can win 10, 11, 12 games over the next three, four seasons, even if Geno Smith isn't your quarterback. And that's from sound drafting. It's from having a really good personnel group, guys that can identify talent up at the top. And that's what I'm fearful of with this Rams team, because over the past five, six years, the Rams have had, I don't know what the success rate is for players that are drafted below the third round, but there's going to be a very limited amount of players that make it into the next round. And then that next round is Project 2025, as 3K on Twitter likes to coin it. It's the future of the Rams. It's finding the next key weight-bearing wall players, the key the guys that are not only supplemental players, but you could develop into core contracts. And then be able to, you know, like the Tyreek Woolens and the Devin Witherspoons potentially one day and the Kobe Bryants, you know, the players defensively, the Michael Jacksons that this Seattle Seahawks team has, even after making mistakes like trading away two, three first round picks for a player like Jamal Adams. Like that's all, they're only a couple of years removed from doing that with the Jets. And they've still been able to recoup their secondary with young players in a way that's going to benefit their future. So yeah. that's, I just, I'm hopeful that some of these young kids can truly play because that'll be the way that the narrative is framed moving forward for the Rams, if that is the case. Yeah, I I remember hearing Andrew was saying uh, it sounds a little like high school with uh, with these practices where people are just like really like getting really excited and like going off and being very loud uh, when they're like stopping plays or making a play. And just like in high school, that will not last long if you are a losing team. It's fine during summer the practice and you need something to get energy to be all excited. But you're not you're not gonna act like that if you're a bunch of young guys and you're being led by somebody who needs a lookbook, which by the way, most people probably do need need lookbooks, um, <laughs> leading you and is like, you know, more of a dad than a bro. So We'll see how it goes. I I constantly go be- go back between excited and completely pessimistic. I know, yeah, I, and there's reasons for that, right? Because when the Cooper Cup injury happens, yeah, that's when people on social media start saying, "Well, what could we get for this player? What if we traded him six weeks into the season? What if we moved Aaron Donald? Are they going to be a part of our future build out in 24 and 25? What can you get in return?" And those are the kind of conversations that I'm just not ready to have because the first game of the season hasn't even started yet. I know it's unfair. I mean, it like it's not, it's not time. This is, this is the football gods, you know. Like they are unfair. I feel like the Ravens are always injured at the start of the season. Um, it just sucks when it's when it happens to you. It feels like we haven't really had Stafford, Cup, and Donald legitimately on uh, on the field together in like quite some time, and now it's going to be prolonged. Yeah, it is longer. It is, but it gives Matthew Stafford an opportunity to develop relationships way, way beyond what he currently has with some of these receivers, which Absolutely. is massive. If he could develop a relationship with Puka Nakua over the next four weeks, and we still haven't seen a proven sample size of him connecting with Tutu Atwell. It was more so Baker Mayfield in the end of the season last year who was able to bring Tutu Atwell above the level of a bust and into a player that has consistently grown year over year. 
Uh, it's going to be a little bit scary, though. It is. I would, there are going to um, be moments in this game where you're like, holy shit, is Brett Maher going to make this kick? What are we going to do on third and 13? Why is Matthew Stafford an empty? Why are we taking shots on second and two? All of those situations that have come up. But then you're also again, yeah. going to be saying, oh, Ben Skoranek, touchdown. <laughs> I was looking at the first game that Ben Skoranek, I think, filled in for Cooper Cup after the high ankle injury when John Wolfer threw him a hospital ball. Nine targets, eight receptions, 88 yards. I was going to say I, I would love to see over receptions or like what the line is on receptions for Ben Skoranek because if it's like – Five or six, like I would hammer that over. Yeah, tough line to find, but I could imagine that um, it's possible. And speaking of betting lines, I know that the Rams are opening up as five-point underdogs against the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. And also, the season is beginning, which means that I think we're back with some Knicks picks. Is that yeah. true? Are, are you ready for Knicks picks? I'm ready for Knicks picks. Anything I else think- you want to mention about the game before we – I'm sure you're going to bring it up in your picks. Well, I want I, I do want to ask you one question, Dean. Sure, sure. And it's a typical podcast question, so you know, I I still want to hear what you have to say. How would you, at the end of the season, what would you say it 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 was a successful season? Like this was a this was a job well done. If this happens. It's uh, following what the Seahawks did last year. It's winning nine games, going nine, eight, and one, winning the final game of the season, finding your way into the playoffs, and having that kind of production. And, um, yeah, just everybody being inclusive, everybody making sure that they're contributing, having that kind of contribution from the young players that we've just been so hopeful of over the past couple of years. To me, is a successful year. It's a successful year also. Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald stay completely healthy because Aaron Donald had the same surgery that Cooper Cup had, and now Cup's dealing with a hamstring injury, so I'm just hopeful that the same thing doesn't happen to my boy here, point to the ring. Um, but I think 9-8-1 I'm entirely happy with, even if it doesn't end with a playoff berth, because yeah. you've at least over-exceeded your win-loss total. You've over-exceeded all national expectations, and your team, from a mentality standpoint, feels like they can go out the following season and win a ton of games. Yeah. All right. I, I accept that answer. Things okay. I think about all day long in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, do you think you're ready for next picks? I think I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. We are back with the gambling segment that helped me put a second story on my apartment. <laughs> Welcome to Nick's picks. It's been a long and winding off season with highs and lows. The Rams continue to make questionable moves after questionable moves. And we're sitting here unsure if we're tanking or not. Brett Meyer, really? Uh, regardless of that, there are a lot of teams that are looking to win, and luckily I have those teams laid out right in front of us. Uh, but before I get started, Dean, need your lock of the week. Lock of the week is going to be tough. I'm going to go Van Jefferson anytime touchdown scorer. I love it. I, I love that. I think he has to get seven targets. I think he has to get a couple of red zone targets. Um and if you want to potentially look at the tight ends, I'd maybe go Tyler Higby. But I, I think it's going to be one of those two guys that are definitive touchdown score. So we will see. All right. I just sent you a $50 Venmo to place that for me. 
Mm. Uh, Van Jefferson anytime, maybe add 50 of your own dollars on top of that. I what's, what's my record on my locks? I feel like I'm five and 12 coming off of a really tough season. You, I think you were closer to like seven. You hit, hit like seven locks, but once again, your locks are usually like Niche. plus 230 or like, you know, like plus three, 300. So I think, it, I think it, it, it evened itself out. Yeah, I was going to say if I go if I go one of three, my success rate is still there because I'd still be considered a winner. I'm in the hall. All family. right. Well, we're going to move to my picks. We got Cardinals at Commanders. I'm going to take Commanders minus seven. We don't love it, but you know what we do love? A brand new Washington over uh, ownership that isn't out here trying to sleep with cheerleaders. If the Commanders were in the NFC South, they could be division leaders. Uh, they're bringing in Eric Bieniemy, who I love on a lateral move for his career. OC to OC, he's the only true quarterback whisperer left in the league, in my opinion. And he's working on Sam Howell, who looked incredible to end the season last. Add to that the preseason hype that is the Commanders ending, uh, ending the win streak that the Ravens had during the preseason. I think they're ready to win right now. They have a real defense. For quite some time, and I'm ready to watch them wipe the floor with Gannon's Cardinals, who, quite frankly, are looking more like Ganondorf in Super Smash Bros. Melee, <laughs> the slowest character. Do you uh, uh, do you have fire in your gut? Did you take the bus to work today? Well, how do those things connect? I'm not sure. I have fire in my gut and take the bus to work. You could. You could have fire yeah. in your gut from Taco Bell. Has anybody ever seen Pursuit of Happiness? I guess Gannon hasn't. Guy takes his uh, he takes the bus every day. He's got fire in his belly. That's what I would have said to him. I think the Cardinals are going 0 17. I'm telling you that right now. They're uh, most likely going to go 0 17. They're most likely going to miss out on the Caleb Williams sweepstakes because he's going to make $10 million in the NIL. And he's going to come back for his senior year at USC. And it's going to change the dynamic of college football. And the Cardinals are going to miss out on all of it because. They gotta pay Kyler Murray either way. I don't know how you can think like, oh yeah, let's just get another quarterback in here that's gonna solve our problems. I mean, obviously Caleb Williams is you know a little higher regarded than Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray was MVP candidate for quite some time. Kyler Murray's gonna he's gonna be great for the Raiders next year. At least I would I would that would be he would be a good Raider. Uh, At least the Rams will go get two wins off the Cardinals this year. I'm gonna say 32-10. Commanders taking care of business, working overtime, easily covering that minus seven. What is the win? Uh, the over under in terms of total points in that game? Do you know? I saw it was like ridiculously low. Oh, is it super low? I think it was like I think it was like thirty eight. I think it was like thirty eight. I feel like I saw it way lower. It could have been a rumored report that I saw. It was like a historically low total point spread for week one. Wow. I might, I might have to take the over if it's that low. I mean, can uh, – what's his name? Josh Dobbs? Clayton Toon? Are they going to be able to strike up an offense? Are you going to give the ball to James Conner 28 times? I don't know what the heck they're they're even thinking about. Doing. They're not – I mean, they're going to be a team when they come up on the schedule that I'm not even going to want to preview. We're going to have to. We're going to have to do it. <laughs> and then right. the preview is going to be – Buda Baker. We could talk about Buda Baker for 22 hours and next picks. We're going to bet every game on the slate that week. <laughs> Moving good. on. Rams at Seahawks. If you were to pressure me in a room, gun to my head, and said, Nick, who's going to win this game? I'd take a deep breath, 
and I throat punch you, grab the gun midair, and then I'd whisper Ram's house in your ear. Then I'd drop the gun, walk away, because I don't support gun violence. Um, we lost Cooper Cup already. Team is full of rookies. Seahawks got the 12th man, and they're going to be hungry to start 1-0 with the one-hit wonder Geno. My prediction is a high-flying offensive masterclass from both coaches. That's right. I'm taking over 46.5 points, and that's all I'm taking because I don't want to touch a winner. I don't want – I don't need my heart and wallet on the line right now. The strikes in the entertainment industry have destroyed me financially, and that's not a joke. That's just my life. I hate executives. 25-30. So the uh, yeah twenty five thirty so the over hits easily and let's just say the Rams win, but I think sure. it's gonna be I think it's gonna be like a five score game or like a five yeah five point difference on on who wins. It's not gonna be a clean that's the spread seven. Yeah, yep. yeah. but I think I, I, I think both like teams are gonna score. Yeah, over picks a good one. There's enough yeah. offense on both sides of the ball for both teams to be able to score plenty of points. And I'd imagine there's going to be a defensive or special teams touchdown built in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. God. Hopefully it's not against our special teams. It will be. Yeah, probably. Seattle owes us for all the times we, uh, we bones them and Johnny heckered them back in the day. So if, if I was Seattle special teams coach and I watched the Rams preseason, I would a hundred percent call a fake if there was like a time that like fitted. Absolutely. Yeah, because the Rams won't be ready for it hundred percent. Moving on. Raiders at Broncos. Give me Broncos minus three. The line is three and a half. We're gonna buy the half point. Sharps want to tell you that teams that are underdogs by three to four in week one that are away are really good against the spread in the last couple of years. I think it's like they win uh, 70% of the time. Hmm. And the Raiders fit that bill, but they're forgetting the return of the Mac, Sean Payton. Head coaches are everything in this league combined with a good quarterback. Russell Wilson is going to return to the top like Travolta after Pulp Fiction. His career <laughs> is going to be rejuvenated with, with – run design run plays quick passes and a hard-nosed defense that sean payton is known for i don't know where or what there is to like about the raiders quite honestly josh mcdaniels is a crummy head coach i think he's fired halfway through the season jimmy g is a downgrade at quarterback from Derek carr bronco is at a 425 slot at home that place is going to be pumping like it i love it colin cowherd uh, yeah, I'm going Kevin James. I'm on. I'm on your side as well. Kevin terrible James. Film. Yeah, really, really bad movie. If you ever watched it, it is terrible. I will. I watched 20 minutes of it. I had to turn it off. Yeah, really, really bad. What, what's so, your last pick? Uh, running it back. I'm only okay. doing four this week because this is a week one a tricky deck. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I usually do five. I'm only going to do four right now. Um, so Dean's lock, we got Van Jefferson, anytime touchdown score. We're going to add that in the next picks. Why not? Uh, Commanders minus seven. Seahawks, Rams over 46 and a half. Broncos minus three. And my quickie picky, Bills minus two and a half in New York. Likely a Monday night hammer. I think the whole world is obsessed with the Sopranos, Jets, and I am ready for it all to crumble. 
I'm kind of obsessed with it too. I'm going to watch the final episode of Hard Knocks tonight. Um, I have grown to love Aaron Rodgers more than I could have ever imagined that I would love him. I, if I were one of his teammates, I would unanimously respect him because um, he's a he's a great player. He's a unanimous Hall of Famer. He's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen with my own eyeballs. So I would fall in line and do whatever he says so that I can win games. And yeah, no, I, I don't think they're going to be dog poop, but. I don't think the Bills are just going to roll over. No, 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 no. It's going to they're going to be it's going to be an awesome game. I can't wait yeah. for that to cap off the weekend. Um, yeah, Jets and Bills could be an AFC championship preview. I mean, the or two best games, games. Shout out to the NFL. I, I, I truly think the two best games are, or the three best games are in primetime slots. Yeah, Thursday night, uh, obviously, Goff versus Mahomes part two, and then you have Sunday night. Um, Cowboys Giants, where I think they That's yeah, classic. Like, yeah. yeah, classic. And then Jets Bills, which like none of those like if you had told me that those were the matchups like five years ago, we'd have been like, oh, those all sound terrible. But <laughs> NFL man, you're totally right. And now it's completely different league, completely different slate, completely different players, coaches. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. You guys are enjoying the episodes. You guys want to be with us for the entire season. Make sure that you. like and subscribe join the movement we're going to be here all year yeah i really appreciate you guys check us out on patreon which i think we still have <laughs> would love would love some patreon out of you guys um but yeah take care just send nick just send nick your money if you want if yeah, you think he's doing a great job send him a tip yeah i mean you know if you parlay all my picks and you hit i'm gonna need 20 percent. you gotta tip the dealer that's how it works yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Rams. Peace out. Go Rams. Peace.